The voting was over, the results too close to call. All eyes turned to Florida for the recount. It was at the time an election battle for the ages, Bush versus Gore, an epic clash that involved armies of lawyers and political operatives who slugged it out in county canvassing rooms, Florida courthouses, and ultimately the U.S. Supreme Court itself, all to determine who would be the next president of the United States. This was the battle that introduced us to the butterfly ballot, hanging chads and dimpled chads, and dueling street protests with rival chants of count the votes and stop the steal. Memories of the Florida recount of 2000 may have started to fade until this past week when a new recount battle once again erupted in the Sunshine State over the outcome of the U.S. Senate race between Rick Scott and Bill Nelson. While the stakes are not quite as high in this one, we'll look back at the last one and see what lessons we learned from it or didn't on this week's Buried Treasure. There is absolutely no collusion. I didn't make a phone call to Russia. I have nothing to do with Russia. Everybody knows it. People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I told the American people I did not trade arms for hostage. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true. But the facts and the evidence tell me it is not. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. The British government has learned that Saddam Hussein recently sought significant quantities of uranium from Africa. How many times do I have to answer this question? Can you just say Russia is a ruse. I'm Michael Isikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. You know, Danny, this is the uh, classic deja vu all over again uh, episode. Uh, You know, I was one of the many hundreds of reporters, among the many hundreds of reporters who flew down to Florida to cover that uh, election battle back in 2000. And, uh, you know, what's striking to me is how many of the characters from that uh, Bush versus Gore battle are still with us today as we await the uh, outcome of the uh, uh, Nelson Scott recount in, by the way, the same counties that were at issue back in 2000, Broward and uh, Palm Beach. I was there for all of them. And um, it is also striking to me. Among those many characters who were there then, of course, Ron Klain, a frequent skullduggery uh, guest who was uh, the chief operative strategist for the Gore team. Ben Ginsburg, who was the chief lawyer for the Bush team, uh, who now happens to be the uh, chief lawyer for the Trump campaign in the Robert Mueller investigation, uh, handling all the document requests. But the two that uh, really leap out at me the most, uh, of course, are, you know, number one, Roger Stone, you know, the guy in squarely in the sights of Robert Mueller, longtime political advisor to Donald Trump. He was the guy who organized the famous Brooks Brothers riot in Miami-Dade to uh, stop the counting of in, in that county. Uh, so controversial. The one, though, that people probably have most have forgotten, but I vividly remember uh, was John Bolton. Donald Trump's national security advisor on the scene. Well, yeah, I know. Uh, One of the most cinematic moments of yeah, that whole episode. Absolutely. On the scene, Saturday, December 9th, 2000, in Tallahassee, when uh, Justice Scalia 
says the Supreme Court's going to take the case to review the Florida recount. And John Bolton runs into the Tallahassee Library where they're counting the votes and says in a loud voice, I'm with the Bush Cheney team and I'm here to stop the count. Yeah, that that was a, a unbelievably dramatic and crazy time in our election. And the stakes were obviously higher than they are now because you were talking about a presidential election. But it is striking um, how uh, kind of um, the, all of the echoes from then uh, to now. When you mentioned Roger Stone, of course, Roger, wherever there's political skullduggery, uh, Roger Stone <laughs> is, is going yeah. to emerge. Too bad he's not talking to us anymore because he'd yeah. be such a great skullduggery de- uh, guest. I know. But he, he was a little pissed off about what I wrote about him in, in, in Russian roulette, so he's kind of shut me out. Uh, well, you know, he's got many lives, and he <laughs> yeah. may be back again. But the thing about— He's not uh, indicted. Uh, right. But, uh, the the yeah. thing about Roger Stone is uh, that he actually—you mentioned the Brooks Brothers riot, yep. and he actually organized that riot, in which people actually got hurt. That was when they shut down voting— uh, in um, in Dade County and probably had some effect on the on the outcome. What was that riot? It was a it was a classic example of kind of astroturf activism, which is that that it was supposed to look like a grassroots uh, demonstration, but actually what they did was they they flew in you know Republican operatives uh, to participate in that, and some of those people actually were people who uh, have high profiles in the Trump era. One of them, if I recall correctly, was Matt Schlapp, who is the uh, the head of the ah, American... Uh, uh, another American conservative union, runs the CPAC conference. His wife huge, works at the at the Trump White House. Mercedes Schlapp, yeah, that's yeah. right. A huge yeah. Trump defender on Twitter and on cable television. So it is deja vu all over again. I also think it's... Uh, well, a couple of things. One is... Why does this always happen in Florida? <laughs> no? right. And we'll get to that in a second. But I also think that, that in some ways, some of the seeds uh, of the uh, crazy politics that we're dealing with now were kind of planted in, floor, in that fertile ground um, in Florida back in 2000. Or at least you saw expressions of the kind of smash mouth, winner take all, just ruthless politics, partisan politics that we see now. The difference between then and now the line that was crossed is that when you know Jim Baker, who was running the operation for the Bush campaign, and Warren Christopher, who was running it for the Gore campaign, they still operated within the bounds of like, facts and the truth. Whereas now what you've got with Roger Stone, but also all these conspiracy theorists, people from you know Infowars and these other fringe groups who are down there, you've really gone way beyond that. Right, and right. Um, the stakes may not be as high in terms of the office, uh, but they are in terms of how corrosive it is to, to democracy. Absolutely. And I think you're on to uh, uh, the point about the seeds of our current politics, you know, really emerged, uh, began to flower in that uh, Bush versus Gore battle because, you know, there was a crisis of legitimacy about the outcome of the election, the idea that the Supreme Court could, you know, step in and basically declare George Bush the winner over Al Gore when there was still counting of votes going on was something that um, Democrats uh, really had a hard time accepting. In fact, most didn't. And, you know, the debates about uh, the recount and those issues continued for months. And they only got obscured or began to uh, get overshadowed when 9-11 
came around and, you know, the country faced, you know, what seemed like a much bigger crisis. But the idea that you had two polarized political camps in which uh, there was genuine questions about the legitimacy of the George Bush presidency is something that, you know, has reached full flower, I suppose, in the in, in the Donald Trump era. Yeah, and absolutely. And this actually goes to the point we talk a lot. We've talked a lot on this show about Donald Trump assaulting our institutions. And th- that is true. I mean, he has undercut the intelligence community, you know, a free press, the judiciary. Um, but he didn't start it. He has vastly accelerated it. But a lot of that, you know, the origins of that uh, you know, evolved over time, post-Watergate, post-Vietnam, and then he kind of turbocharged it when he came into office. And it's kind of important to remember yeah. that, I think. Yeah, a couple of other points worth making. The role of the Supreme Court, so controversial in that Bush versus Gore battle. I mean, I well remember uh, Tim Flanagan, another skullduggery guest, uh, former deputy White House counsel under George Bush, one of the uh, part of that, a lieutenant in that army of lawyers who flew down to um, uh, to Florida, saying after the Supreme Court came down with its 5-4 ruling, saying that, uh, that Bush had won the state and therefore was the president, saying to me and others, this shows why it matters, who controls the Supreme Court. A recognition among everybody involved that the Supreme Court, you know, for all uh, the uh, majesty we would like to inject in it is ultimately or has become ultimately a political institution. And we saw that most graphically in uh, in the Bush versus Gore yeah. Look, outcome. There's no question that what happened in Florida in 2000 was just an immense political brawl. And that was the insight that Baker had, which is that um, this was going to be a street fight, I think, in, yeah. his, in his words. Whereas Warren Christopher, leading the Gore forces, was this more patrician lawyer who uh, wanted to use the legal process, wanted to make sure that uh, whatever they did, that the outcome, that it would be as dignified as the office uh, right. that, they were, that, that they were seeking. But what Baker understood was that as part of this political brawl, you needed to use the courts, right. not the states, the state court system uh, in Florida, which was overwhelmingly Democratic. I think the state Supreme Court was Democratic. But he understood that ultimately, if they were going to have a chance, they needed to get to the Supreme Court uh, right. because they'd have it, they would have a shot on the Supreme Court because of the ideological balance there. Which now, I don't know what's going to happen right. in Florida. We, we should talk a little bit about what's going on in Florida right now. Right. But absolutely, just picking up yeah. on that point, though, you know, you've seen the Scott campaign filing lawsuits, a couple of lawsuits now in Florida in state court. But I think, you know, it, it, the ultimate strategy here that all, all the Scott campaign and Republican lawyers know is the more you can turn this into a legal battle, the more you have the opportunity to, at some point in the game, if things go south for Scott, to get this into federal court. And if you get it into federal court, you've got that ultimate backstop, the Supreme Court firmly controlled now with Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation by a a conservative Republican majority. You know, one thing I don't know, I have read, but I have not independently confirmed this, 
Kavanaugh may have actually played some role in the 2000 recount. I don't know if you know. I, I know that yeah. there was some I, I remember someone tweeting. I'm, I'm sure this is not true, that he was actually part of the uh, the Brooks Brothers riot. <laughs> I think that was a uh, I think that was a, a, a fantasy or a wet dream on the part yeah. of liberal activists at the time. I don't think that was true. Uh, frankly, I'd be very surprised if he was not involved, because just about every Republican lawyer I knew was down there, as was every Democratic lawyer I knew who was down there. I mean, everybody was flocking to uh, to Florida. We should point out that, look, there are some critical differences uh, here. First of all, I mean, the numbers are not nearly as tight uh, in uh, Scott versus Nelson as they were in Bush well, versus Gore. Well, they got Gore. down to five. What was the number? Well, ultimately, Bush won by 537, 537 votes. Right yeah. now, Nelson is ahead by 12,000 votes. But it's, within that margin, mm-hmm. you know, what is it? One point, uh, 0.5%, 0.5%, which requires a recount and if it's somewhere below that 0.2% or whatever it is it requires a hand right re- recount so right. and I, I do think that a common denominator though is the concept of undervotes that that there were people who intended to vote or tried to vote for a candidate. Uh, in this case, the Democrats are betting on the fact that it was Nelson, uh, but that somehow the votes weren't recorded. And that was... Well, that's how you got to hanging chads that, and dimple you, chads. Exactly. That, you know, people punched Gore, but the chad, uh, you know, didn't fall out. So if it was uh, dimpled or, you know, indented or hanging, uh, you know, should you count that as a full vote for Al Gore? And in, in any case, you know, that was so tight, the, the numbers. The other thing, though, is the butterfly ballot, which I mentioned in, in the cold open. Now here, the compa- you know, butterfly ballot was this incredibly complicated ballot where uh, it was hard to figure out. Many elderly people in Palm Beach County had a hard time figuring out how to cast their ballot for president. And um, Well, that's uh, the one where the, all the little old Jewish ladies were, up, were voting for uh, Pat Buchanan yeah, by, yeah. voted for Pat Buchanan by, Three, actually, the Bubby Brigade. The great <laughs> exactly. brigade, as they call them. 3,407 votes for Pat Buchanan, an extreme right-wing guy who uh, had been accused by many conservatives of tinges of anti-Semitism. Not being a friend of the Jews. Well, questioning, you know, major questions about the use of gas chambers at Auschwitz, for right. God's sakes. Right. And here you had Jewish ladies in <laughs> Palm Beach who were horrified at the idea that they might have cast a ballot for, or that they did cast a ballot ballot for uh, a uh, anti-Semite for president. But, you know, there was nothing you could do if the ballots were cast. You could not overturn those votes and have a redo. In this case, you had a complicated ballot in Broward County where apparently there's a large number of undervotes in the Senate race because it was at the bottom of the ballot. So more people were voting for the gubernatorial race and state agriculture commissioner than there were voting for the high-profile Senate race between Nelson and Scott. But ultimately, you don't know how they were going to vote, right? I mean, you can't prove in- you can't show the intent, no. so it's, it makes it very difficult to do that kind of yeah. a recount. But look, the the idea that here we are facing some of the same issues. You know, look, we have spent. Uh, 
much of the last two years talking about what the Russians could do to disrupt our election and taint our elections and and fiddle with the vote counting uh, so that there would be chaos after Election Day. And, um, you know, what we seem to have forgotten is that uh, we can do this to ourselves with no help from the Russians, especially in Florida. Yeah, I think we we do need to kind of get our voting house in order. And the fact that this happened again 18 years later is extraordinary and that it happened again in Florida, as, as I alluded to in the outset. And it does make me wonder, like going through this again, uh, whether there need to be uh, some really big reforms. And the one that I, I think people have talked about is at the federal level for federal office holders. Do you need uniform standards you know do you need like one voting machine one way of doing absentee ballots as opposed to this kind of checkered system where every state has a you know has a different way of voting you know which just increases the odds of chaos and that people aren't going to be treated equally um you know that's controversial we've you know we've always had uh, a a state-controlled federal federalist system in, in voting but I think we're like the only country in the world that does it this way. And you have right. to wonder whether it's the best way to do it. Right. Well, probably, look, we're pro- I'll probably get attacked uh, <laughs> all over Twitter yeah. for saying this. But it's just and I'm not saying I'm necessarily for it. I think it's something that has to be looked at. There, there were there were all sorts of measures that were taken after 2000. There was the creation of the Election Assistance uh, Commission to you know help provide aid to the states to improve their um, uh, voting systems. But look, you get that resistance from particularly in red states from any hint of a federal takeover. And, you know, we all remember from 2016 when there was the threat of the Russians after the uh, Obama administration discovers that the uh, that Russian hackers, uh, state hackers, had gotten into state voter registration databases. And um, our friend, uh, then the Homeland Security Jay Secretary, Johnson. Jay Johnson, has a, uh, a conference call with all secretaries of state around the country saying, Saying, look, uh, we will offer you federal assistance to declare. You know, we want to declare the voting systems oh, in this critical country infrastructure. critical infrastructure. And who pushed back and said, "No way"? Brian Kemp. Brian right? Kemp said, "No way. I'm going to let the Obama administration, you folks in Washington, take over our voting." Brian Kemp, of course, just elected the governor of Georgia. Although Stacey Abrams has not conceded yet, I, yeah. I don't think I don't think they're within the margin that requires it. It wouldn't be a recount. It would be a um, another election essentially yeah right well there. that's not gonna happen. A runoff. There, there there's no I don't I don't think there's any way you can have another election absent some really dramatic changes in the, in the votes look a couple of other quick points I want to make you know in terms of I talked about the Supreme Court Nelson versus Scott is one Senate seat may not seem to make all that big of a difference, but you remember last week in our uh, post-election show, I uh, pointed out why the outcome in the Senate counted so much and was so important because of those two octogenarians on the liberal side of the uh, Supreme Court, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, 85, Stephen Breyer, age 80. What happened the next day? You know, uh, Justice Ginsburg falls in her office, cracks her rib, has to go to the hospital, three ribs. A reminder that um, it's very fragile, The uh, what, what's left of the uh, liberals on the Supreme Court, of, the, of that four voting block. And uh, if Donald 
Donald Trump and a Republican Senate gets to choose another Supreme Court justice because either uh, Ginsburg or Breyer has to step down. And there uh, is, and, uh, yeah, and there is nothing in Rick Scott's record that suggests <laughs> right. that he that he would not vote for pretty Abs- much any Trump nominee. Absolutely. So look, the Republicans gained, uh, you know, uh, two seats with Scott. I believe it is, but if you take that away, down it's down to one seat. You know. There were those two Republicans, Murkowski and Collins, who were at least viewed as susceptible to voting against a hardcore conservative who threatened Roe versus Wade. So, the, you know, the Republicans don't have much of a margin. And that's one reason why this Scott Nelson battle is so important if there's another Supreme Court fight in the next two years. Right. And then there's the gubernatorial race as well, which is not right. as close, but um, there'll probably be a, a recount in, in, in that race, or if that's not already uh, taking place. Um, yeah. Doesn't have the same impact. Uh, yeah. And and look, uh, you know, uh, DeSantis's margin is, is, is larger than Scott's, so it's, I think, highly but unlikely it, but it, you're gonna, right. you can yeah, see I an think overturn so. but, it, but But, you know, yeah. if, if it were overturned, that has a huge impact for 2020, Florida is such an important state, and if you control the levers of power there, you know, if your party has the governor's mansion, you know, that is consequential. So, look, I am going to uh, use this opportunity to close this episode by telling one of my favorite stories as a journalist, and it comes from my days uh, covering the Florida recount. I had, uh, uh, I was in Palm Beach first, flew down in 2000, and the last time before that, I had been in Palm Beach, was covering the William Kennedy Smith rape case. You remember the incident 10 years earlier where uh, uh, William Kennedy Smith, the nephew of Ted Kennedy, was accused of raping a woman uh, who he met at All Bar, uh, you know, some Palm Beach hotspot, after he was there with Ted Kennedy and a whole entourage. They all went back to uh, the Kennedy compound, and that's where the alleged rape took place. My big scoop in the William Kennedy Smith uh, case was I discovered this woman named Michelle Cassoni, who was at Obar that night and then at the Kennedy compound. She was uh, having a bit of a dalliance with Patrick Kennedy, Senator Kennedy's son, uh, when Ted Kennedy comes in in his underwear and she tells the story to the world. Uh, It gave us a little insight into Ted Kennedy's behavior that night. So cut to 10 years later, Florida recount. I'm at a bar in Palm Beach telling this story about uh, Michelle Cassoni and how I had discovered her. And I'm regaling everybody at the bar, uh, including a bunch of journalists and a bunch of Republican operatives. Mark Carallo and Barbara Comstock was there, the uh, just defeated Republican congresswoman. And I noticed that the bartender is really interested in the story. And she starts listening to everything I say. And she looks right at me just as I'm getting to the punchline about how I discovered Michelle Cassoni. And she says... I'm Michelle Cassoni. <laughs> um, and uh, oh my look, God, I, only I, in only in Florida. Only in Florida. I don't know what the point of the story is, <laughs> yeah. other than I guess um, we can never escape our past. I think it also <laughs> goes to the sort of the uh, the unitary scandal theory that yeah. like every all scandals are somehow related yeah. to each other. Right. And on that note, we will conclude this episode <laughs> of Buried Treasure. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Buried Treasure. Don't forget to subscribe to Skullduggery on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And tell us what you think. Leave a review. Be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod. We'll talk to you on Friday.